Welcome to the Mediascape Podcast. My name is Joe Cruz. Today, Bill Zimmerman joins us. Bill is a lecturer in the Belisario College of Communications at Penn State University, where he teaches PR and social media strategies. He has worked as a writer and editor and currently produces the Happy Valley Hustle podcast. I invited Bill over to talk about the podcasting industry, possible best practices for newcomer podcasters, and the technology's value as a teaching tool, a fitting topic for our first episode. I think you'll find Bill's perspectives quite refreshing and insightful. He's a passionate and creative educator, and I learned a lot from our conversation. And now I bring you Bill Zimmerman. Bill, welcome to Mediascape. I appreciate you being here. Uh, before we get down to the nitty gritty, would you mind telling the audience a little bit about yourself, what you do, and what makes you tick? <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, so yeah. my name is Bill Zimmerman. I'm a lecturer in the Penn State Donald P. Belisario College of Communications. I teach advertising and PR, and uh, something that I've been super into for the last few years has been podcasting, doing a podcast called Happy Valley Hustle that focuses on telling stories of, of entrepreneurship and innovation. A lot of it focused here on central Pennsylvania, but I've, I've tried to branch out and, and talk to people with a, with a national profile as well. And that podcasting experience grew out of a few things. Before um, becoming an academic, I worked in the public relations office at Penn State. And before that, I was a newspaper reporter at a small daily newspaper in Western Pennsylvania. And I really enjoyed one-on-one -on -one conversations with people, doing interviews. I did not do a lot of hard news reporting. So often I was talking about people, talking to people in much nicer circumstances, doing a lot of feature writing. Um, and I really enjoyed those one-on-one -on -one interactions. I felt like I could establish a rapport in a one-on-one -on -one situation with people pretty easily. Um, I don't really like parties or, or group things too much, but I'm not really great at kind of saying my piece or, um, you know, not a life of the party type of guy, but a one-on-one -on -one conversation, having a beer with someone, a coffee. I love those sort of situations. So doing a podcast was a way to, to do more of that. And also as I moved from being a, a practitioner of public relations, working in Penn State's strategic communications office, um, writing yep. things, managing social media, editing, um, I didn't, I didn't want to fit into that. Uh, what's, what's the old saying? Those who can't teach. And <laughs> I, I didn't want that to apply to me in the classroom. I wanted to still have the credibility of someone who was still making things. And at the same time, sending a message to my students of the importance of lifelong learning, of trying new things, of being crappy at it at first, of making peace with kind of slow growth when you want to just, you know, you want this thing to explode and you want to be famous and you want to make a bunch of extra money uh, and those sorts of things. So I really wanted to kind of set a, set a model for them. And, and, and it, it also connects with some, some classic exercises as well that are getting them to put themselves out there a little bit in the digital space, whether that's creating their own podcast or own YouTube channel or own blog. So I wanted to, to set that model for that, it, that it, there's joy in creating things and that we can grow a lot, even if these ventures never become smashing successes. Uh, so yeah. yeah, really, you know, after one semester of teaching, um, I launched the podcast as that way to, to keep learning, keep gaining new skills. And it's been a tremendously valuable experience. And really, you know, uh, I've learned to not worry about the numbers too much, even though I check on a daily basis, <laughs> those numbers <laughs> and how many downloads I'm getting. But I've learned that very much this podcast or the podcasting in general or any kind of content creation venture 
is if you're looking to make money in it or, you know, get that uh, ego boost that comes with those high numbers, <laughs> you're probably going to be disappointed right. pretty quickly. But if you look to gain skills, gain connections, um, further your brand a little bit, you're probably going to see more success in that area. And that's where a podcast for me has really, really paid off to be kind of the guy in the college that people, oh yeah, that's the podcasting guy. Um, I get a lot of you know joy. I, I talked to you about a year and a half ago about a, you potentially starting a podcast. So it's so exciting to see right. you do it. I'm talking <laughs> to students about this. I did a first year seminar this, this past semester focused on podcasts. So there's just been so many opportunities that have come my way. So that is my big message for today. Measure success in opportunities, not, not downloads, not views, not clicks, <laughs> not followers. Walk us through how you developed the Happy Valley Hustle podcast and what is it about? Yeah, sure. Yeah, so it's it just, um, for me, it, it, there was, you know, I was recognizing around me here at Penn State that there was such a movement behind entrepreneurship. Uh, the, uh, President Barron here at Penn State, one of his six imperatives is economic impact. And, and mm -hmm. the university has poured a lot of money into a program called Invent Penn State that's been about nurturing entrepreneurial ideas among students, faculty, and community members. So I was seeing just so many fun and exciting things happening around that space. And really, and, and I, wa I wanted in. <laughs> I, I like the energy. We have a, an incubator called uh, uh, the Happy Valley Launchbox. And I, I started to get to know the people there and hang out a little bit and really like the energy. Um, so, yep. I, so I wanted to kind of start documenting some of those stories. And I wanted to pursue an entrepreneurial venture of my own, even though this is, it was very, it, very low kind of uh, initial investment. Um, it's uh, financially, it's more, it's an investment of time. So that was sure. one of the things. So I thought, you know, let's, let's do this podcast. Let's start talking to the people doing these entrepreneurial things, small business owners, and even just people with side hustles and even people just, just doing some fun things. And I thought, you know, this could be kind of a fun podcast to, to tell their stories, share them with the, with the, with the world. And, and also it, it becomes a connection point as well. You know, people, um, you know, you get anecdotally, you hear a story. Oh, I, I listen to that podcast and I reach out to this person and we're having coffee next week. And I was like, oh, that is awesome. Um, so yep. being able to kind of connect like-minded people, you know, that, that was really a lot of the justification between choosing that route. Um, and also, yep. you know, one of the toughest things is trying to find that, that topic that you address. Uh, you know, honestly, if I had my choice, I'd probably choose something uh, maybe a lot more lowbrow. Uh, you know, I, I like professional wrestling, um, you know, doing a <laughs> podcast about 80s and 90s nostalgia or something. I would probably have more fun doing something like that. But those, those, those topics, there's so many different podcasts in those space. They're super popular. Right, and right. so I was trying to find my niche, you know, and for me, yeah. that was to go super local. And yep. I have some a little bit of regrets sometimes about that because I think maybe it's getting in the way of me getting a little bigger. So that's the, the ego thing coming in there. So that's, what's kind of led me sometimes to, to seek people totally outside of the sphere of central PA and, and Pennsylvania or uh, sure. of Penn state rather. Uh, so, but, but it was important initially to start getting some attention that I had to find a niche, find something that was being uncovered and that there we're not podcasts telling those stories right now. So I think that's that's another lesson here is that you you need to specialize, especially if you are choosing an area where there's a lot of competition. And in this space yep. of personal and professional development and business type podcasts, there's a ton of yep. those out there as well. So I had to kind of try to find my, my lane. So although that helps you kind of get some initial attention, it may kind of limit you and kind of maybe the your potential growth or potential guests you can have but it's yeah. the right call if you're starting out. I think really, you know, if, 
if you are not, um, if you aren't famous or have the backing of a major media, you know, organization, when you start a podcast, uh, getting attention is going to be really tough. And by specializing, finding a niche, you're going to stand a better chance. You've mentioned that you teach uh, a podcasting seminar. Could you discuss how you incorporate this, you know, somewhat professional hobby and your skills into your teaching? Yeah, it, it's tough because sometimes I, I think about that. Um, there's some hand wringing sometimes that happens there because um, I do make a little bit of money from from ads on the podcast, and and I, sure. I don't want to feel like I'm maybe abusing my position of being in front of the, this this captive audience and promoting myself. Um, but but it goes back to what you're saying. There is the, a podcast can certainly be an educational tool, and I try to incorporate it when when appropriate. Uh, the the first year seminar course, the way first year seminars work at Penn State is really you know, you need to introduce these freshmen to the resources available to them, whether that's the library to tutoring, uh, you know, and so on. And whatever kind of context you put that in or, or you know, um, content that you introduce to, to, in, to teach those things, it's, you know, it's up to you. So I decided to use podcasting and made this as just kind of an introduction to podcasting, you know, talking about the podcasting landscape, who are the major players out there, what, what's some of the, the news that's happening that they need to pay attention to. And by the end, they, they record a little five-minute pilot episode of a, of a podcast. And they also do some strategy up front, you know, creating a listener persona and doing some of those things. So throughout, I was incorporating, you know, lessons from my podcast. Uh, never, never once did I make them listen to an episode, but I would share things like the strategy documents that I make, the guide that I share with guests, um, this sure. little one-pager that I use to try to explain to guests who I am and what the show's about. Um, sure. So I used a, a lot of those things in there as well. And hopefully, you know, they, uh, if, if I made a compelling case enough about my, my podcast and podcasting in general, maybe they, they seek it out. So yeah. that was really just, um, I, I wanted to introduce them to, to podcasting as a medium that even if they don't create a podcast in the future, it's going to be a great way to be entertained and also to, you know, for professional development and personal growth. You know, it's interesting. Podcasting is one of those extracurricular activities that has the potential of becoming, you know, something else, something bigger. Just look at people like, you know, Kevin Smith, Mark Maron, Joe Rogan, uh, you know, and, and all of these influencers that have become such popular and, and impactful, um, you know, podcasting figures, right? Yeah. And, and one of the things I talk about in the first year seminar is how, um, it can also facilitate a lot of other money, money-making ventures. You know, if, if you're not, um, you know, uh, getting this, getting paid to produce your podcast or, or sharing in a, a lot of the, the ad revenue being made, you can still create a platform where you could promote the sale of a book, uh, merchandise you may right. offer live events, webinars, business coaching. And I think that's the, the big thing there is that um, podcasting on its own can probably only be a, a um, a sustainable line of work for only a few people, um, you know, the mega successful, but others are finding yep. good ways to kind of, uh, you know, if you compare it to something like a marketing funnel, um, ways to grab people's attention and move them farther down that funnel to become paying customers and return fans. Uh, people are using platforms like Patreon to actually get their, right. um, their listeners to, to put up so much money for, for exclusive content and ad-free content and, and access to them. So I think, you know, that, that there's some really cool ways that people are figuring out to make other money, uh, make other money based on that presence that they've established with their podcast. 
yeah and for someone like kevin smith it could be a way to to promote promote movies speaking engagements and you know so many other things yeah so the podcasting industry has grown exponentially in the last decade accumulating something in the neighborhood of a billion dollars in advertising revenue with podcasts like the joe rogan experience and serial you know just to give a couple of examples attracting more listeners than established media personalities like say rachel maddow or tucker carson tonight right uh i meant to ask why do you think podcasts have become so popular in some ways so appealing to a large swath of the public isn't it just like radio or pretty much radio like some people might say yeah, and and, I, and one of the I think the best descriptions I've I've heard for podcasting is it's uh, for podcasts is it's radio on demand, and and I think that's right. the thing. It's it's you know, um, in my day to day, it's it's playing when I'm in the shower, uh, you know, uh, unloading the dishwasher, folding clothes, you know, it, it's <laughs> uh, walking to work. It's just incorporated so much into my day to day, and I think because of that, um, you know, we could find ourselves spending hours a week listening to one person. And it's, it's for, for podcasters, as they start getting a lot of listens, the, the, the people, their, their listeners build a lot of affinity for them. And I think that's where that, that power that you're talking about when it comes to advertising comes through. And also, you know, a lot of businesses have been willing to roll the dice and gamble a little bit and let a podcaster do their own ad reads, you know, and we hear that sometimes where they may even make fun of the advertiser, you know, but they understand (laughs) their audience and and the brand is saying, Hey, you know, if we just recorded an ad and gave it to you, it wouldn't have the same effect. This needs to be in your voice presented to your listeners because you know what they care about. And I think that's where a lot of the, the advertising power comes from as well. So I, I think it's just as this stuff, as podcasts become weaved into our day, we really develop connections with the, the people producing the programming. That becomes a person who helped the workout suck less or that, that long <laughs> road trip go by more quickly because we had this you know, <laughs> three-hour Joe Rogan podcast to listen to. So I think that's where uh, a lot of the power lies. And, and because we're, we're in control of kind of picking, you know, when we listen and, and it's just becoming easier and easier to listen now, you know, where you could uh, be on your phone, listening upstairs, go downstairs and pick up the podcast on your, your um, home assistant, you know, uh, you'll have a Amazon Echo play it. So I, I think that's uh, really cool. And uh, I think you know one of the big news news items is is you know a lot now that um, responsive advertising where now you could go and update an ad in a you know episode from 2016 you know because people still go back so often to listen to old episodes um, so that'll be an interesting way that the the ad value will be uh, increased by this you know right. if those are fresh ads being recorded I think if you're just inserting recorded ads you know into those <laughs> old episodes it may not be as effective um, but I think that's the part that fascinates me is that you know. Um, brands who tend to be so, you know, uh, maintain such a control over how that message is delivered, uh, have been willing to kind of give it over to a podcasting host to, to make it their own. Would you say that we might also be seeing a bit of market saturation, you know, um, you know, with so many popular influencers moving from more traditional media into podcasting? Uh, in some ways, don't you think they're taking a, a big chunk of the market with them? Yeah, I think that's uh, yeah, and 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 big big brands buying up uh, smaller brands. Uh, you know, I think right. uh, um, Amazon own Audible now, and Audible is trying to do a lot more in the in the podcasting space. And there's there's so many now, now connections between different 
uh, different companies owning different podcasting platforms. So yeah, highly attractive. And uh, yeah, but, but I guess I still, still maintain that it's, it's going to be, if you, if you find a niche um, and if you find an underserved um, kind of target target uh, or uh, underserved listenership, you can, you know, can kind of carve your own space out of the, the podcasting, uh, landscape, but you know, you're not going to get super rich off of it, but, but again, there could be a lot of good things that come from, uh, from that when it, whether it's, you know, furthering your personal brand, um, networking that comes from it, improving your communication skills. So you can, you can really grow. So I think there, there will continue to be opportunities to benefit from podcasts, but yeah, like you said, as, as more and more bigger names and bigger media companies get in there, um, it's probably going to be tougher for, for, you know, a more uh, a podcaster with a smaller audience to, to make much money through their podcast alone you know, through ad revenue. And, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I think part of the appeal, uh, and maybe, maybe this is something that a student of mine put it best, when people listen to podcasts, it's like you're, this is something a student said, by the way, um, and I'm paraphrasing, that when we listen to podcasts, we're essentially getting a front row to witnessing someone's stream of consciousness manifest, right? It's we, we're we're there as just just listening and watching, you know, a a conversation happen organically, right? Without a script, without much planning, without a protocol that you would normally find in more formal ways of more formal media, right? Like the news and and, and a movie and so on. I wonder, what do you think about that? You know, this this perception that, you know, listening to a podcast is like witnessing, uh, you know, someone's stream of consciousness manifest. Yeah, I, I think what, what I keep thinking too about one of the ways where that's kind of magnified the most is when you listen to a celebrity interview with uh, with maybe an actor or an actress right. where, you know, they they do their, these, these press events, think of maybe the type of thing you would watch on a show like, um, entertainment tonight or something where they're clearly <laughs> being asked the same questions and they have very rehearsed answers. And then that same person may go and do a one hour podcast and it's incredibly compelling. Um, they're, they're able to open up a little bit. There's, there's, it's very conversational, um, you know, and, it, and it's such a great platform for that. And then you can hear sometimes where some of these people really appreciate that opportunity to open up in a long form format rather than just being asked the same things, you know, over and over again. So yeah, it, it's conversational, like you said, um, uh, unrehearsed. Um, I think it's really, it, it's a fine line. You, you want to listen to a host that's a little bit prepared, but you also sure. don't want them to be so committed to their, to their list of questions that they're not getting this person to elaborate on a great story. <laughs> you know, so I think exactly. yeah, you have to, to, to walk that fine line there, but uh, yeah, you're totally right. I, that's a big part of the appeal here is how, how real, you know, these, these talks can feel. You know, I tend to survey my students just to kind of have a grasp of their uh, media usage patterns and how they consume certain certain media content and all that. Uh, and I find that the you know not everybody listens to podcasts, right? I think we tend to part from the uh, flawed assumption or the incomplete assumption that new media is inherently appealing to younger audiences. And this is not exactly the case all the time. And I find that in some classes, some students are really into podcasts and they love listening to some, and some even have their own podcasts. While in other classes, you know, some my students really don't, couldn't care less about about the industry in general. And I wonder if you have a, a if when you talk to your students, this is, you find similar um, perceptions about podcasting in general. 
Yeah, I'll talk about my two experiences with the, the first year seminar course, which I just called the power of podcasting. Then yeah. I also teach a class called digital PR um, that talks about how, you know, social media, emerging technology, you know, all this is used to, to help, a, help further a brand. And, and I see a lot of what you're talking about as well, where there's not this, you know, overwhelming uh, engagement with podcasts. You know, I, I thought that the first year seminar course would be full of students who are gun ho and loved podcasts. And some it's just, <laughs> this was the last one available and it fit their schedule. Um, now, if you told me that they have come around towards the end of, of recognizing that podcasts could be a, um, a value in their life. But, uh, but yeah, I think if you look at some of the, some of the statistics, you see that, you know, podcasts um, is, you know, uh, still has room to grow with younger and older listener dem demographics. Um, sure. You know, so I think that's, uh, you know, so for me, it's trying to open their eyes of kind of what, what podcasts can do. And I mean, I really, I don't think anyone could not find a podcast that appeals to them. There is so much out there. There's so many niche yeah. topics that have been explored. There is a podcast out there for you. I'm, I'm confident mm -hmm. in saying that. Uh, but yeah, it's not, I, th I still think the students and even, you know, PR students who are um, usually typically very, very um, ambitious, um, try to be very plugged into the industry, um, still don't maybe even recognize right away that, that podcasts are out there and could be really useful for them, even if they never produce their own. I'm curious, what are some of the students, your students' takeaways? How do they react to you know, putting together a podcast or participating of these podcasting projects? Yeah, I, th I think one of the big things I try to get across in my digital PR class is that when a brand is putting content out there, it needs to have value. If you're only hitting people with marketing messages, with advertising, uh, it's going to get ignored pretty quickly. You have to find that sure. balance. And a podcast is a great way to, to really illustrate that, that need to give value. Unless you are incredibly charming or super funny, you know, <laughs> people are going to need to really get something out of your podcast, something they can use. Um, not, right. not just, uh, you know, um, in, in, if you're not very entertaining, you better be giving people something. Um, and, and for me, that's, you know, trying to get others to open up and tell their story. Um, I'm not going to be very entertaining. I think I'm, I'm pretty dull a lot on podcasts and I tend to shut up most of the time and just get the person to tell their story. So I kind of embrace that as my, my, my talent here. So I think that's the, the this through the podcast, students are able to really see that, the, and, and through branded podcasts, you know, which, which are growing a lot where brands have figured out ways to do brand storytelling in a podcast form. They're not producing ads. Nobody would listen to that, but they're telling stories. Uh, so for example, Ford uh, a few months ago did a podcast about the Ford Bronco, the story oh. of the Bronco and went into developing it and um, how the association with OJ Simpson damaged that, that brand. And eventually how over the last <laughs> few years, they've brought it back and redesigned it. Um, you know, and I got together with a, um, you know, a, a reporter from NPR to help uh, to narrate this. Um, so they created something that's highly listenable, um, you know, obviously reflects well on the brand, but that kind of, uh, um, I don't know what everyone to call it, advertising message or branding message is very subtle. It's, it's focused on creating something of value. And there's um, Tinder has a podcast called the find the relationship. That's about modern dating. You know, uh, Marriott has a podcast about uh, telling the, the architectural stories about some of their most iconic uh, hotels around the world. So I think that the branded podcast, uh, you know, that, that model or subgenre, there's so much uh, that, that I can teach the students through that by showing, Hey, these brands are grasping this idea of, of giving people something of value um, and not just hitting them with an advertising message. 
I, I gotta tell my dad about this whole Ford Bronco podcast. He he loves cars, especially uh, classic American sort of muscle cars. Uh, yeah, that's so so yeah. For that's that shows you right there of how that this can be a platform to to attract new new customers, but also to keep those uh, uh, longtime supporters. You know, people who had been been driving a, a Ford Bronco before podcast even existed helps keep them in the in the mix in in the Ford family. I don't know whatever whatever you want to call it. And if you keep thinking back to something like a marketing funnel. <laughs> It's it's working on all those levels. It's attracting people, and at the same time, it's it's helping build that brand affinity and maybe you know advocacy uh, later on as those fans <laughs> keep staying engaged with the brand. Exactly. Yeah. Do you find anything that you would consider to be maybe a disadvantage, a challenge, something negative coming out of this, uh, you know, new form of media production? Hmm. I think it's incredibly challenging to build an audience. I think that's one of the things, you know, that it's, it's very easy to give up on this very quickly. And, and I think for me, it was it, key was coming up with a routine that worked for me. And that was putting out two a month. If I would have committed to one a week, I think I would have burned out very quickly, um, been discouraged that it wasn't growing and said, forget this. And, and so you see, there's a lot of the, you know, your, your um, Apple podcast app is going to be littered with, you know, podcasts that, that petered out very quickly. <laughs> so I think that's one of the things it, right. it takes a lot of work to produce and you're going to get um, uh, the encouraging results or, you know, encouraging feedback. Sometimes the things, you know, getting reviews, seeing those listeners go up, uh, those sorts of things can be few and far between. So you, so you really got to be, you got to take your ego out of it and focus on small victories. And I think that that can be really <laughs> difficult. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I think as far as other challenges go, you know, I think, um, I've heard, you know, people who make it big in podcasting, like, like I talked about earlier, that intimacy that can be created can get, can create some weirdness, you know, where, where you start encountering people who feel like they really know you just because they, they've been <laughs> listening to you for, you know, for hours on end each week. So I think for people to get to the the high level that, you know, that can be a, can be an issue. And I think, you know, you do have to be careful what you say, you know, you could something be, could be a, uh, um, you know, slanderous, you know, you could be podcasters have been sued, you know, over things. So right. it doesn't mean you just can go and, and say whatever you want. Um, you know, you would have to be um, take any sort of uh, workplace policies into consideration. You know, if there's anything maybe limiting what you could could say on there, you know, on your podcast, you know, what, um, you know, should you even acknowledge that you work for a particular company? If you're doing this podcast as a side hustle, I think some of those things can be a little, um, little challenging, um, sure. you know, and, if you are to the point where you're being paid to produce things and uh, become kind of an influencer or something like that, you have to be upfront about, you know, being paid. You know, I share some uh, Amazon affiliate links sometimes, you know, if somebody, if I interview somebody who's written a book, I will share this link. And if sure. somebody clicks on that and makes a purchase on Amazon, I could get a few cents. I have, I've never, that's never once, never <laughs> once made a sale doing that, but I'm, I'm experimenting with it. And if that became a, th and when I, when that's listed in my show notes, I put a little asterisk with a, with a disclaimer that I could uh, provide money. I could, um, could be compensated in some way if somebody clicks and buys. So, so that upfront, being upfront, being transparent about any sort of sort of ad revenue, uh, could could play into that as well. So I think those are. The, so I think the the challenges aren't th that big of a deterrent. Uh, so I think that's the and uh, you know the big thing is just 
um, being okay through those, through the, the slow growth. Cause that's still a big knock on the industry is that it's very hard to get your podcast discovered, you know, and that, uh, you know, that's so, so it takes a lot of work, a lot of word of mouth, a lot of trying to use social media. Um, it's, and there's not just one magic bullet to, to blow you up either. Um, where sometimes, <laughs> you know, if somebody has, is fortunate enough to have a, a YouTube video go viral, um, sure. you know, that, that they see immediate results and jumping in subscribers and those sorts of things. Um, and, you know, so podcasting, you may get a, um, a nice write-up in the local paper or something like that, or, you know, some <laughs> or on a blog, uh, do several, you know, interviews on other podcasts and you're never going to just see this immediate jump unless you're, you know, really get exposure on a high level. So it just needs sure. to be a collection of good things you're doing to try to move forward in the next direction. So that could be really frustrating too, when you see only very tiny incremental uh, maybe improvements or, or advancements. Could you talk to us about your interview process or, or your hosting process, right? How do you approach it? Yeah, I, I've done less and less um, upfront research or uh, a planning, I guess, lately, as I kind of gain confidence as an interviewer. Um, so before sure. I used to always have maybe a page or two of, of, of questions uh, written out in a way that I would intend to say them. And now it's uh, maybe, you know, a few bullet points that I kind of have ready to go. Um, and, and I do try to make sure that I, uh, you know, if somebody's written a, a blog post recently, I'll, I'll read it. Or if someone was just uh, interviewed on another podcast, I'm going to check that out. Um, or, you know, there are situations where somebody's written a book and, and I set aside the time to make sure I read it in advance. So there, there's that, that prep that's involved. Um, I, I try to be careful of asking questions that could be answered by a quick look at that person's bio online. So, so I try to not go too deep into those sorts of things. So it's, uh, my focus is always on getting a little bit of a personal story and then trying to uncover actionable advice for the listener. Um, so a lot, you know, sort of questions of what would you do differently if you, if you, if you could go, go back or what have been some of the best ways to, for you to promote your product lately? Um, or, you know, I, I noticed you have a really lively um, Facebook account. How did, how have you nurtured that, that audience and, and embraced those conversations? So I think that's, that's the big part for my interviews. And I've continued to try to keep making them shorter. Uh, you know, is trying to where some would go more than an hour early on. Now I'm trying to keep them between 30 and, and 45 minutes, you know, just at that. And for me, that feels right as well. You know, I, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a product of our times. I have a pretty bad attention span and uh, I was finding myself starting to fidget there, you know, <laughs> at that, you know, 50 minute mark. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to need to uh, let's, let's tighten this up a little bit. And I think the listener wants a little bit shorter of an experience as well. So, you know, I think it's, um, you know, do, do your work, do your work, but also embrace the kind of the spontaneity of the moment, have some trust in yourself that you could carry a conversation without having that giant list of questions because you're a, a smart, inquisitive person, you know, and also be willing to keep kind of flipping the script and changing, changing your model. You know, I've thought before about what would it be like to just start to just have three questions that I ask every person, you know, what would that be like? Um, over the last year, I started uh, asking one question to every listener to kind of wrap things up. And that is just, um, you know, tell me, tell me about one personal possession that best sums up who you are and what, and, and what you care about. And that's oh, wow. been a really fun question to ask. So I have leaned yeah. on that, that one question um, to end every interview. And, I, and I've really enjoyed that. And it's, it's fun you know, seeing and hearing people's uh, the wheels turning as they, they try to come up with that. So, so yeah, I think it's... Uh, just like podcasting in general, you need to find this 
uh, nice balance of preparation, but also um, embracing being in the moment um, because that's where a lot of the, the appeal lies. Changing gears a little bit, would you mind telling us how you promote your podcast and how you measure its market penetration and popularity with your listeners? Yeah, sure. You know, after I have a new episode, I, I uh, go to LinkedIn, put it on there. Mm -hmm. uh, my podcasting hosting service I use, Buzzsprout, allows you to um, very easily produce these little uh, little video snippets. So it's basically just a person's photograph with a little sound wave uh, down below, and I can play a 60-second 60, 60 clip. So mm -hmm. I, I uh, usually use a few LinkedIn posts, uh, you know, spaced out over a week or two to promote. Um, I always ask the guests to, to share it on their platforms and I give them a link. I give them an embed code, uh, you know, URL of, URL of, of uh, HTML code that they can include in a newsletter on their website. You know, that's usually, I think most people don't know what to do with that, but some people, when they do, that can be really nice, nice exposure. If then they end up having a, 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 a you know, the episode being playable on their homepage, that's awesome. Sure. I have uh, a um, email list of about 120 names that, uh, that I once a month will share um, just to uh, just highlight that month's episodes and sometimes share, you know, some, some bonus thoughts or something like that on that email. Um, I do have a Facebook account. I do promote it some on my personal Twitter, uh, but those uh, I'm, I'm pretty much ready to abandon both of them. Um, as the year ends, I'm starting to really start to think about what things am I putting some work into that aren't really getting any results. And so for sure. me, it's been promoting on those, those channels. Um, and I haven't, and, you know, I haven't really done a lot to try to nurture community on there either. Um, I teach a lot about social media, but don't really enjoy it. And <laughs> I have a kind of a love-hate relationship. So I'm kind of thinking, you know, kind of ready to just kind of stop, stop my Happy Valley Hustle Facebook account um, and really only focus on, you know, uh, maybe my email newsletter uh, and LinkedIn and, you know, continuing to, to talk it up when I can uh, never turning down an opportunity to visit a class and talk about my podcast, you know, um, to, you know, uh, you know, I've given workshops before at events like uh, startup week at Penn state. So, you know, if, if there's a chance for me to talk about it and also never turning down an opportunity, if somebody just wants to chat because they're thinking about, about starting a podcast, I, I love sure. talking about uh, the, the process as well and trying to get them excited and, and focused on it. So, you know, that's the, those are the kind of the main ways I've, I promote it. Um, you know, have gotten some local media coverage in you know, Town & Gown Magazine here, uh, which is just a little local uh, monthly magazine, uh, Onward State, a student blog. So those sorts of things have been nice. But like I said before, it's just, you know, you're not going to see an immediate jump yet. So that, that's been the, the ways I've, I've tried to promote myself most. Um, could probably, there's probably always room to kind of work a little harder at that. Um, I think podcasters see some success by, you know, uh, finding uh, conversations, you know, that they can kind of jump in, offer some advice and say, Hey, by the way, I talked about this on my podcast. So maybe using like Reddit um, or getting involved in some different Facebook groups, sure. but maybe the thing preventing me from doing that is I'm not, don't really want to put the work in of trying to um, become, I guess, a useful member of those communities um, to earn <laughs> the right to promote to them because you will get torn <laughs> apart on Reddit. If you come too hard with a, with a promotional post, so I think, so I think there's a lot of opportunity there, but I just don't want to spend uh, that time in our engaging in those, those uh, conversations. I don't know. It's just, just kind of me. I want to be mindful of our time limit and we're getting close to that 45 minute mark. Um, before we conclude, are there any kind, any, any costless or inexpensive resources out there 
um, for people who might be interested in starting a podcast? What do you recommend? Yeah, you know, um, there's uh, Anchor is a is a free app out there that some people have used to to start their podcast early on. It can get you on listed on all the the major podcast hosting services. Uh, there's Audacity, which is a, an open source audio editing software that I think works very well. I still use that. And even yeah. a lot of the podcast hosting services, um, which essentially they're there because that's where all your data lives, all your shows, all your show notes, artwork. Um, and, and those typically only cost about $12 a month as well. So the um, entry can be pretty low. And there are people who record podcasts that sound fine just with their iPhone too. You know, wow. I think that's the thing as well. Um, don't be the, don't give into the fear of gear. Don't feel like you need the best stuff before you can get started. Uh, interview people in your car with, with an iPhone. Uh, and that could be a good start, you know, and just make do with some of these free tools. And if you really like it, you can keep investing more. I think that's one of the uh, the big lessons here, but I, but I would just really say um, start creating. And I think during this, during the pandemic, during quarantines, um, personally, I, it's been really nice to have this podcast. It's been a nice creative outlet. It's been a way to sometimes fill, you know, this extra downtime that we have. So I, so I just, in general, I always advocate for trying to create something, whether that's, that's writing you know, podcasts, YouTube, and also putting it out in the world as well, because that's going to help you grow, putting a little bit of yourself out there, but it, it can be tremendously gratifying and also can just be, I guess, good for the soul uh, to, to keep <laughs> making stuff, especially during, during challenging times. And I think it's been, you know, um, I used to do all my interviews in person, you know, uh, really enjoyed that. And, you know, I've been doing it now through Zoom since... I think February. Um, so it's been really nice to still keep talking to, to cool people, you know, to have this, this podcast. So I think that's one of the things as well. It's kind of a, you know, it's a nice way to hedge your bets, I think in a lot of ways. And, and even if that means losing a job or something like that, you know, you may lose your job and now you, but you still have this podcast audience or YouTube audience that you've cultivated and who knows it could, could come from that. You know, you could put, your next boss could be listening, you know, uh, a friend who has a job to recommend <laughs> could, could hear you tell your story on your podcast. Um, you have maybe, you know, a listenership of a few hundred people who would maybe potentially be willing to hear you give a seminar. You know, I think that's, uh, yeah, there's a, lo a lot of value that can lie from the, uh, that, that can come with this. And I would just encourage people to think about just making stuff, making content. I think, you know, you may never get big from it, uh, but you could certainly gain a lot and enrich your life from it. Bill, I would like to thank you for being here today. You know, this being the first episode of Mediascape, um, I wanted to dedicate time to talk a little bit about how podcasting can be a useful, valuable tool for teaching. I wanted us to have a, a conversation about the industry and its impact, and I've learned quite a lot. I think this has been a very interesting, very productive conversation. And I'm, and I would like to thank you for being here and accepting my invitation. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much, Joe. And it, it's, it's so cool to see, see you doing this now. And that, that's, what's awesome because <laughs> I know what, what could, what could be awaiting you right now as this podcast launches and just how this could make your, your life and uh, professionally and personally better and just be a real, uh, a great feather in your cap. So it's awesome that you're doing this best of luck with it. And if you ever need some advice and, and some encouragement, uh, yeah, let me know. Cause uh, we could all use some encouragement on this. I'll make sure to take on that offer. And thank you so much. Good luck with your yeah. podcast as well. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Joe.